Hebrews, the 12th chapter, uh, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'd like to share with you looking unto Jesus. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. I'd like to say before we pray, if this is the first time that you've ever uh, worshipped here, we are very glad you're here. And I would say do not make your decision on this church based on a guest minister. I am a guest minister. So don't make your decision. If it's good then good. Make your decision and come back. <laughs> it, if it's bad, then just say, you know, God, please help that man. <laughs> and, and then come on back and get in the flow of, of what the Spirit is, is doing here. We're, we're going to look to Jesus. That's what we're going to do today. Can we, can we right now seriously pray that God will give us personal revelation of his word and will give us openness to what the word, not what I'm saying, the word, what the word is saying. Can we, can we pray however you're comfortable? If you're comfortable praying out loud, please do that right now. Let's ask God to give us the revelation we need. spirit to do what only your spirit can do. Give us revelation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Looking unto Jesus, I will use quite a bit of scripture um, today because I believe that there's just a lot of scripture that is needed for us to understand this. When we're speaking about Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith, when we, when we look at it in, in that particular term, and I always challenge people when you're studying the Word of God, you're going deeper in the Word of God, you don't use Webster's Dictionary. It was not Apostle Daniel Webster. We we go to the tools that help us understand the Word of God. He's the author. He's the chief leader. He's the example. He's the predecessor. He's the pioneer of our faith. That's, that's what he is. It speaks of him being the finisher of our faith, and that is speaking of him being the perfecter or the mature of our faith, because faith is a journey. Has, has anyone found that out? Listen, whether, whether this is the first time you've ever been here or whoever the longest attending member is, we would all be saying that this faith walk is, is a journey. 
When we speak of faith, we're talking about the belief in man's relationship with God. We're speaking of divine things, the conviction that God exists, he's the creator and the ruler, and that he is the provider of our eternal salvation. He's the author, he's the finisher of our faith. But along this path, we have found out that there will be issues, there will be tests, there will be battles. There's just never going to be a time, I, I know through my life, and I've been blessed to be raised in an apostolic church to where my earliest memories are people praying out loud and, and you know, people speaking in tongues and all these things. And then people, then I've seen some sites that, I really don't think God was impressed with that happened inside the church. I've, I have seen some things get out of control, but that's the reason why you have leaders, to, you know, kind of bring it back in control. The church I was a part of for 30 years, they, uh, some people referred to me as the worship buster <laughs> because if somebody got just real crazy in some way, I seemed to be the one that would, you know, have to go calm them down and and they'd get mad at me, and some of them would leave, some of them would repent and come back. But I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of these crazy things, but in all the things that I've seen in all of my life, I have long since given up on the fact, or the hope, wasn't the fact, the hope that we were going to have that move of God at some point, and He's going to fix everything forever until the end. That, that we, and man, I have been in some services where, wow, I mean, it has been amazing. Talking about sitting in heavenly places. I've been there. I love that. That gives us strength. But, but when we walk out, guess what? It's still life. It's still life. We've still got this flesh. I've said so many times that every night when I go to bed, my flesh goes to the gym. And it works out. And every morning that I wake up, I'm facing a buffed up, nutritious, healthy flesh ready to fight me. Every day. Anybody else finding out that you go to bed and your flesh seems to join my flesh at the gym? It happens. But this is what I have found out along the way of this faith journey. That if we'll do it his way, if, if we'll go by his word, if, if we'll zero in on what his word says, and we can appreciate our godly grandmothers if we had them, godly grandfathers if we had them, godly this, godly that, we can appreciate all of that, but we've just got to elevate and look to Jesus. Amen. To look to Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, who, was, who for the, the gladness that was set before him endured the cross. It, this is what Jesus did. The author and the finisher of our faith the one we're aligning ourselves to. What did he do? For the joy, the gladness that was set before him, he endured the cross. He remained. 
What does endurance mean? Remain. He remained. Through everything, he just remained. What, what did he remain with? What did he endure? The cross. The cross. When we think about the cross, we, we know that it was a well-known Roman instrument of most cruel and humiliating punishment. That's, whoever thought up the cross, I, I, I don't think the execution was dreamed up by the Romans. I could be wrong, but they, they definitely used it. And, and what, what the cross was, it, it was how they humiliated and tortured and killed people. To it was nailed guilty criminals and vile slaves and robbers. If, if, an, if someone would rise up and would author an insurrection, well, whoever authored it and whoever helped them, they would crucify all of them. And then when you study and you realize that even sometimes governors back then would just decide somebody needed to be crucified. Yeah, it could be an upstanding Roman citizen. It could be somebody that was well thought of, but the governor was in power and could just say, ah, crucify them, and they'd be crucified. 1 Corinthians 1.18, now we see what God spoke through the apostle Paul, and, and he continues this about the cross. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. So to people that, that are not believers, for people that don't understand Jesus Christ and the cross, then, hey, this man did all this good and then was murdered like this, that's just a bunch of foolishness. But, but to people who understand, for people who understand what all went into that and why he did that, then, then it's not foolishness at all. It's the power of God. We understand the power of the cross. We, when we look at the cross, Easter's coming up now in a couple of months, and, and, and when, we, when we start looking at all of this, it's, it's not just, a man that had a cause and he died for it and a bunch of Romans crucified him. No, it, it goes beyond that. There's, there's power of the cross. It's, it's, the, it's the understanding, the power. Today, people want to talk about the kingdom and believe me, I want to talk about the kingdom. Just about every other time I've preached here, I have preached something to do with the kingdom. My wife and I, we, our ministry that we started in 2003 is called Kingdom Quest. I love talking about the kingdom, preaching about the kingdom. I love thinking about the rulership of Christ and, and that we are kings and priests and, and all that goes to that. But if we're just going to focus on the crown and the scepter apart from the cross, we're going to have a problem. It's the cross that gives it power. It's, it's the power of the cross. And the cross has never been culturally compatible, ever, and it never will be. 
Its preaching has always established a counterculture. It's always been costly to follow Jesus Christ. Always has been. Christ followers, it's, it's always cost something because Jesus Christ was so counterculture. And, and the reason why that, that in religion today, the reason why there's so much shallowness, the reason why there's so much foolishness is, is because of the crossless part of it. But whenever you understand the power of the cross and what it costs to follow Jesus Christ and how it requires faith and love and, and a fresh, deeper commitment, it's how it, it absolutely demands the death of our will every day. It's the reason why Apostle Paul said at one point, I die daily. I die daily. Well, why? Well, he wouldn't trust his flesh 24 hours. If Apostle Paul didn't trust his 24 hours, God knows we can't trust ours. It's, it's the power of the cross. Paul described himself as always bearing about in the body the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 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 how he that's how he was able to be stoned and keep going. That's that's why the shipwrecks didn't wreck his faith. That's that's why when he was cast out from people that he loved, that's where he, it it didn't wreck him because he stayed focused on the power of the cross. This was literally his his attitude and and nothing has changed. This this is to be standard Christian lifestyle, that we look to the cross and we understand the power of the cross. Talking to people today that maybe you've not heard much about the, the cross, maybe you've not heard much about Jesus Christ, well, just keep listening because you're going to be introduced to something today in this, in this message that can totally change your life. Because when we start talking about Jesus Christ and the cross, no, that goes above religion. It goes above denomination. It, come on, keep elevating. Keep elevating. I'm happy to be Pentecostal. I'm happy to be apostolic. But my focus is on the kingdom. The reason why, the reason why I focus on the kingdom is because the, the church had a birthday and the church will have an exit date, but the kingdom is everlasting. The kingdom is forever. The kingdom will never end. And, and it's the king of the kingdom that matters. Well, we're this. Well, we're that. Okay, fine. But can we, can we talk about the king and what the king did? Can we talk about... The price of the king. Is this thing still about Jesus or has it become about some human? Well, if it's about Jesus, if it's about Jesus, if it's about the king, if it's about the price he paid, then it's king, it's kingdom, it's kingdom entry, and it's kingdom life. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. Jesus Christ and the power of the cross.
The cross principle is the continual guide. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, and this is Apostle Paul, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. This is very interesting that, that the, these words would come through the pen of Apostle Paul because he was not illiterate. Apostle Paul was not, uh, you give him an IQ test, he's going to blow most of us away. This man was learned. This man was educated. He was educated in, I mean, by the, by the big guns, we would say, back in that day. But Apostle Paul, when he came in contact with Jesus Christ and whenever his life was radically changed from, a, from Saul the terrorist to Paul the apostle, now, I don't know what all we've got sitting in this room, and I don't know what all people have done, but I would risk to say that we don't have any ex-terrorist or present terrorist that has letters to go drag out people of a certain belief and kill them. Well, this is what we have here. This is the man that wrote so much of the New Testament. Well, what was the change? Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. That is what changed him. And so he's writing, For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He brought it down right there. I want to know Jesus, and I want to know him crucified. I'm not just talking about this good man. He got laid down and nailed and, and killed. No, 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 no. No, that's way too quick. I want to know about Jesus Christ. I want to know where did he come from? Who was this? Thou, thou art a teacher come from God. Oh, no. He was much more. He was God come to teach. We, we have to understand. We're, we're, we are not talking about God the Son. We're talking about the Son of God. In the Word of God, we won't find God the Son, but we will find the Son of God because God became flesh and He dwelt among us. That wasn't just a, an ordinary man that was leading a group of people in a certain belief system. No, this was God Almighty. This was the image of God. This is the one that said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the one that had all power. That's the reason why Apostle Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you. I want to know Jesus, and I want to know him crucified. When we align our lives to that, and when we align our lives to what he did, everything changed. Then we don't, we don't have to be a big deal when we understand that God in the flesh, who did not have to submit himself and die, he did not have in the eternal purpose. Yes, he did. But he, he stood there and said, I could call legions of angels right now. That's what he did. So how, so how do I connect with him? What do I do with my power? 
Will I hold my power back? What about when I have the power to destroy somebody's re reputation? What do I do? What about whenever I have the power to put somebody in their place? Am I going to do it in a manner that makes me feel good but humiliates them? Or I'm going to be like Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who, who there was a woman that, that needed to be ministered to at a well. And, and he knew that woman was going to be there. And he also knew he was going to need to reveal some things to her. And he sent his clan, his, his disciples away to get food. Why? He didn't want to air out her issues, even in front of his closest people. No, the, the operation of the Spirit was alive in him, I guess so. It was God Almighty walking in the flesh, but even in that, he wasn't going to humiliate that woman. It wasn't about humiliating her. It wasn't about letting everybody else know what her life was like. When she was changed, she was free to run and yell. I met a man that has told me everything. But Jesus wasn't telling everybody. So Paul was, Apostle Paul was saying that, that uh, I just want to know him. I want to know him crucified. I, I want to learn from him. This is the way I want my life to be. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Here it is. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That, that, your, that your faith does not stand in the wisdom of men. It's not about man's wisdom. We got a lot of smart people walking the world now. We, we've got a lot of smart ministers, pastors. Yes, absolutely. That's wonderful. But your faith is not in a human. Any human. Our faith. When we put our faith in any human, we are setting ourselves up for a problem because humans can fail. Even humans who mean well can fail. But when, when we look and we say, this is not about the wisdom of man. I'm thankful for the education you have. And you've brought revelation into my life with the wisdom that you have. But my faith is not in you. And the reason why my faith is not in you is because you're a human. My faith is in God. God. And Apostle Paul, he spoke of dying daily. He, he spoke of giving up his personal plans and, and his ideas. And one thing I realize about crucifixions as I've thought about them is there is no such thing as an accidental crucifixion. It's intentional. And I see where there are facts of life and then there are also facts of spiritual life. And this is a fact of spiritual life that I realized this week as I was studying and trying to get this word for today. Crucifixion precedes joy. 
We lack joy in our life because we lack crucifixion. Please hear me. We're giving humans way too much credit and, and way too much power over us. There are too many joy stealers that we are allowing to run around in our life uncrucified. They need to be killed. I am honestly finally getting some things worked out in my life that I wish to the good Lord in heaven that I would have paid more attention to people that taught me, that used these words, messages that I heard. I've heard preachers in my lifetime preach this. And I, I wish that I would have started crucifying some things a lot sooner than I did. Colossians 3, 1 through 9. If ye then being, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Study out verse 3 when you get time. There's a lot in that. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So we, we see in verse, uh, in verse 1 through 4, Seek the things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Set your affection, set your love on uh, your, uh, your passion, your emotion. Set it on things above, not on this earth. Church, if a match can burn it up, it's not worth loads of emotion. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Then it says in verse 5, Mortify, therefore, your members. Now, let, let me give you the biblical study how it says it. Mortify, to make dead, to put to death, slay. Let me just say it in our, in our way. Kill it. Kill it. Mortify, this in your life, mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. And then it starts giving a list. I'm going to read it quickly. Some of these words, because of the King James Version, is they're big. You need to study them out later to get a better understanding. But I don't have time to break it all down um, uh, in, in this message. But then it starts naming them. These are the things you need to mortify. These are the things you need to kill. You, you need to get these out of your life. Fornication, and that's not just dealing with premarital sex. You need to understand, you need to study that out. That deals with a lot of sexual issues. And it starts with that, interestingly enough. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, uh, evil concupiscence. You really need to study that one out. And covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So it's saying these things, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is on this, on those things. In the which, see, I don't have time to get into all this. Don't fall into the trap of, well, is this a heaven or hell issue? Well, give me a list. Well, 
You're talking about living on a low level. The, the list demanders miss the entire approach to Scripture. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye are also put off all things. But now ye also put off all things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. Put it all out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man in his deeds. So, so what, what the Word of God is saying is, is like these things in our life, they're joy stealers. They keep us down. They, they will end up um, damning us for eternity. It gives a list. It says it right there. If you need more, go to Revelation 21 and 8. If you, if there's, there's all through the Word of God. We'll see it. So here we have these joy stealers that needs to be killed in our life that we need to mortify. So now let's just bring it home and deal with some of the hindrances that we deal with in our life because I am absolutely convinced that we are... It's not even so much, Pastor, that at times we're losing the battle. I'm seeing people just forfeit. I mean, there's one thing to fight. There's, there, there's one thing, you know, for the team to show up and play and get beat. And there's another thing for them to just call ahead and say, hey, y'all can have the, the win. We're not even coming. And that's, that's what I see. So let's, let's look to Jesus. Let's, let's dive off right now for the next few minutes, and I'm going to hurry. Let's dive off into the deep end looking to Jesus. Matthew 5, 44. Jesus talking. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, just at, a, just at a surface glance at this, you see the challenge, but then whenever you literally break it down, and so here we are. See, there, there are people that are hearing me right now or watching online that the joy stealers are running free through your life, and you can put a stop to that. But we can only put a stop to it through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We can only put a stop to it through, by looking at, at what Jesus said to do and how Jesus said to live. And so he, he said, okay, now, love your enemies, bless them that, that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Love, that means welcome, entertain, be fond of, well-pleased, contend with. Are you kidding me? What, my friend, my family, the people I love? No, your enemies. Your enemies. Yes, those hated, odious, hateful, hostile, opposing them. Love them. Okay. Uh, bless some people too. That, that means praise, celebrate with praise, invoke a blessing on them, ask God to bless, 
cause to prosper, make happy, bestow blessing. Yes, Lord, I will pray that for my family. I will pray that for my pastor. I will pray. No, you do that to people who have cursed you. Can we get a second opinion up there? And then do good. Like, do good. Like, actually do good. Well, to who? To people who hate you. And, and pray. Yeah, okay, pray. We're going to pray for the church. We're going to pray for the people. Pray for the leadership. Pray that God will work in the community. Pray. Okay, yeah, pray like that too. But then don't forget to pray for those that have despitefully used you, insulted you, treated you abusively, and, and have reviled you. Pray for them. Okay. Now, now folks, I don't have a lot of time to, to deal with this, but let me, let me just say this to you. Several months ago, this word started dealing with me in a major way. You know, you'd be reading along in the Word of God, and the boxing glove comes out and knocks your head off. That's what happened to me. And then I get up, and I go to the Word of God again and read it again, the same boxing glove, same boxing glove. So finally, before I got knocked unconscious, I realized that I had to do something with this. And so I started doing this. I called a family meeting, my wife, my my daughter and son-in-law, my son, we sat at the dining room table. I started talking to them about this word that God was giving me. And then I just broke it down. I said, so what we do is, is uh, we actually, you put enemies and cursors and uh, haters and those that have despitefully used you. None of us in our family has really been persecuted. I said, but you, you write all that down and you start writing the names of, of the people that, that have dealt with you in a bad way. And now, if you can match them up with, well, are they my enemy? Do they hate me? Have they cursed me? Have they despitefully used me? Then if you can put, if you can match the name up where they go, then you'll know what Jesus is saying to do with them. Yeah, I promise you, if I'd have known what that was going to do for my family, I'd have done it years ago, and I'd have been teaching it because it's like things have changed. I was praying the other, the other day, and the Spirit of God was bringing some people to my mind, and literally, I was saying, God, is there any other enemies I'm forgetting that I can bless? Is there? And then this name would come, you know, and I'd cover that name, bless them. I, I think, you know, well, how about the haters, okay? Bless them. Pray for them. Do, why? Because I'm not going to live with a dog collar around my neck that somebody else is holding the end of the chain. I'm not going to be jerked around by humans who have done me wrong. I'm not going to be stopped by people who have done me wrong. They can do whatever they've done, but I'm not going to give them the power to make me hate them. 
I've done that long enough. Many, many years ago, uh, there was some situations that was going on, and I was a pastor of a church, and I was getting messages, and I was preaching messages while I hated people. I said that one time publicly, and, and somebody got a little nervous and came up to me afterwards and said, now, now, now Pastor Terry, did you, did you, like, you were just upset with them, you know? And I looked him right in the eye. I said, no, I wasn't just upset with them. I hated them. And I said, the reason why I know I hated them is because if I would have heard they died, I would have been happy. I hated them. Talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody right here in this auditorium right now. Quit living on that low level of life. There is joy that is set before you, but you've got to mortify. You've got to kill that. And the only way you can kill that is by the power that Jesus Christ gives us because of the power that he made available to us at the cross through his death. One came to Jesus in Matthew 22, and one came and said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Did you notice something there? The man didn't ask for the top two. He didn't ask for the top two. He asked for the top one. Jesus didn't stop with one. He went to two. The reason why, Jesus knew that one cannot be answered except in relation to two. Two proves one. So I can pray all I want to pray. I can, I can experience Everything that I can experience around here and the splash over of your prayer and your praise and their praise, and I can feel the, the presence of God, but I cannot prove my love for God just on this. How will they even know that we are his disciples? That we will have love what? One to another, not for another. I can have love for pastor and him never know it. But if I have, I've got to have love to him. That's the only way that he's going to know it. I can't just say that I have love for everybody. No, that doesn't work. It's having love one to another. I've got to be in this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's one of the most powerful things. One of the, one of the absolute most powerful things. When we... When we understand 
when we understand that God forgive me cannot be completed whenever I am holding something against someone else. When, when if, if we could realize that we are shut down at the point that we will not forgive someone else. But you don't understand, Mr. Guest Minister, what has happened to me. Forgiveness is, is like, it's like love. Forgiveness is not ex acceptance. And, and please hear me. I, I don't feel led to finish this message. We're, we're finishing it right now. Forgiveness is, is like love. You can love people without agreeing with them. You can, I can forgive people and I don't agree with what they did to me or to my family. It's, it's, it's not about ag agreement at that point. It's about me releasing a sword. It's, it's about me deciding I'm not going to hate them anymore. It's, it's about me deciding when I hear their name, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm, I'm not going to pile on anymore. I'm, I'm, I've got to move past it. I've got to get the dog chain off of my neck. I have got to start looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I do not agree. I could give you names and I could tell you situations. I do not agree. I will never agree with what they've done. And then I have counseled people through the years that my goodness, the abuse they've gone through and the things that were done to them, even as children when, when they had no power, all of these things. And I have seen those people that have gone through so much abuse and, and, and so much trauma. I've seen them fight their way through it because of Jesus Christ and because of the power of the cross. heard the stories of the man that went and forgave the man in prison who raped and killed his daughter. I've heard those stories. I've, I've heard the stories of people that have gone through um, um, amazing abuse, things that I cannot even imagine dealing with, but because of Jesus Christ, and the power of the cross and, and their belief that, that this side of eternity is a speck and, and this, this side of eternity, this life is this and eternity is this room. And it's people that understand that it's not about this speck. People that understand what's happened to me here, I'm not going to let that take 
me to the wrong side of eternity, but I can't do it under my own willpower because my flesh is too strong, because I have, I have not been born again. I have not been redeemed. Those of you, if you've not been born again, if you have not bowed your knee in repentance, if you've not been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again to the level where the, the Spirit has spoken through you, it's not a Pentecostal thing. The, it, it, it's not, well, the Pentecostals do this, but the Baptists don't, the Methodists don't. Well, but the non-denominational people, some of them do, some of them don't. Well, the charismatic, it's not, it's not that. Elevate. Elevate your thinking above religion. Elevate your thinking above tags. And look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, but is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, what does all of that mean to me? I'll tell you what it means to you. You can be bogged down right now in your mind. You can be fighting mental issues, emotional issues. You can be fighting things that have been done to you and then you actually have the opportunity today to say, okay, all humans out of the king zone, I will now elevate and I will look to Jesus Christ. And now it's going to be about what he said, what he did, how he lived, and what he provided. And I'm going to throw myself totally into that. And I'm not going to live one more day like a dog on a chain. It ends today. And as we stand together right now, the Spirit of God is here right now to break chains to break chains. And it could be that you, you have never known in your life what it was like to be free. And it could be that you've known what it was like, but this has happened and that's happened and it's kind of, you got a chain one day and you don't have a chain and you know how to go to the altar and be, and then, but then somehow we go and we put the chain back. It, it doesn't matter to me what it is. I'm telling Many people today that the front of this church is open and you can step out and you can come down here and talk to the chain breaker. You don't, you don't have to be jerked around not one more day. You don't have to hate. You, you don't have to be eaten up with, with revenge. You, you don't have to. You don't have to. What it's, it's literally like today. The Spirit of God can do a work to where you shift from only seeing what you've lost to seeing what you have left.